I would rather play fun party games with no alcohol. Yeah, I mean, alcohol's fine, but right. like, like I would give up alcohol to play fun party games on New Year's Eve than have with a, like a dozen yeah. friends. It's not worth it. Than go out to a place with strangers. It, it's weird that I like. I have such negative opinions about alcohol usage, mm-hmm. but I still drink sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like I should just give up and go all in and just be a teetotaler. You could. I know people who are. But it's it's only the people who make it bad. <laughs> That's true. So what did you think of Rogue One? It's a good movie. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. It's good. Yeah, it was very good. Your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean I don't it's funny, I don't have a lot to say about it. Like I think it was well made. I think the story was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's dumb that they didn't let Carrie Fisher, spoiler, play Leia at the end. How could they have? They brought Grand Moff Tarkin back from the dead. Yeah, and it's with a CGI character, so they brought CGI Leia. Yeah, but she was played by an actress. Those were both mocap performances. Oh, you mean just have Carrie Fisher do the mocap for Yeah. Her? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess she could have. It was mocap in one line. Maybe she didn't want to. Maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised but if Carrie Fisher was she, like, She's nah, just doing Star Wars Episode Eight. It's true. Huh. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I was looking at the credits. I'm like, oh, that's not Carrie Fisher. That's somebody else's name. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if Carrie Fisher was like, I don't want to put on that fucking mocap suit. That's fair. <laughs> I, I would not put that past Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. It it hit me hard. Sure. I could see that. Um, because, and, and I loved it for this reason, but, and again, like spoilers for Rogue One, uh, <laughs> every single character dies. Yep. Like, all I, of them except a couple in from the empire yeah but like all, ev- the, all the people you're rooting for die every single uh rebellion character who you meet except mon matha mon mothma that's right she doesn't because she's in the next one right uh like they just all die yeah. everyone who goes down to that planet dies and it's mm-hmm. brutal mm-hmm. but i love a story that's like willing to go there yeah like it didn't pull any punches like i remember when uh when uh k2so died mm-hmm. and i was like oh you know like that's sad like he was a really fun character mm-hmm. i really i really liked all his jokes and stuff and i was like no k2so come on yeah, like yeah. i was like okay but like if he's the character they're gonna kill i mean and they could bring him back you know he's a robot sure, he's a robot and then like the next one died and i was like oh shit yeah oh no and then just dominoes and every single one see i think weirdly i think i expected everyone to die really yeah like you knew that was gonna happen i feel like i knew it was a possibility it makes sense story-wise when you think of uh the original star wars movie Mm -hmm. because these people would have shown up (laughs) none of the characters (laughs) who were involved in the the rogue one yeah in in the ceiling of the plans are in star wars no so where'd they go oh the they're all dead now we know they all died yeah 
but like the the movie could have very easily like had some miraculous like thing that got Jin and Cassian mm-hmm. off the planet at the last minute. Yeah. You know well, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you could you could totally do something like that. But instead they, they just go to the beach and yeah. they watch the like fireball overtake Kill them. them. Yeah. I did see a funny tweet that called it Rogue One Woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Star Wars still can't put more than one woman in a movie at a time. Yeah. She got the lead, but it was mostly just her. Yeah. And I'll be honest, she wasn't even the like driving character. She was um along for the ride for most of the movie. Yeah, along for the ride and like the reason why it's all happening. Yeah. But uh yeah. Not the main character. I mean the main character in the sense that she has the most screen time and everything revolves right. around her, but she was not driving the action. Right. She didn't actually care about most of this stuff. Until like like she her her journey was starting to care more and yeah. more as as the yeah. story went on because yeah in the beginning she was like i don't care about this like yeah. convince me to do this she just did it because whatever i and guess then, and then by the end she's all you know on board and, yeah. and willing Fight to die power. for it yeah um that's actually one of the problems i had with the movie uh and a great reason why i should stop watching movie trailers for movies i know i want to see <laughs> uh the trailers really really misadvertise this movie well, someone pointed out uh, there's a bunch of shots that are not in the movie in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that probably ties into the fact they did a lot of reshoots. Right. Uh, I was reading an article today um, from the editors. And because there were three editors on this film, uh, one of which was brought in after the reshoots. Um, and there was something really telling about this movie. And I don't know if other movies do this. I've never heard of another movie doing this. Mm-hmm. This movie was not written. This movie was crafted. Okay. And what I mean, what I mean by that is, um, the editor who had worked with Garth Edwards before Gareth Edwards, Gareth Gareth yeah. Edwards, uh, before on Monsters, one of his other big films, it was not nearly as big, but yeah, you know, you get what I'm saying. Um, was the editor crafted the movie out of other movie clips with like narration and captions saying, "This is what's happening. This is what's happening," to get a feel for like how long it was and how long each scene was and how long each shot was. Hmm. And then they didn't have a script when he did that. They just shot against like a mock-up of a movie. They then made a script to match that. Weird. Um, and then they re-edited it and did all the reshoots and recrafted it. Right. Because they weren't shooting from a central script. I mean, they had one. Mm-hmm. Someone's credit as a writer, I'm sure. Right. And so the movie was was made from whole cloth rather than... And from what footage they had... Rather than saying, like, I want to shoot this movie. This is what I want to make. Right. And this is the story I want to tell. Yeah. And so they were still shooting that when they had to put out the trailer. Right. So when they're they're putting out a trailer, they they don't know They were like, trailer editor, here's a bunch of footage. Make something. So they don't really know what story they're telling yet. Which is true of a lot of trailers. Like, a lot of trailers come out before the movie's finished. Yeah. But there's usually... But, like, usually the very first thing in the movie before you greenlight a movie is there's a script yes that te- says exactly what the story is going to yeah. be like this was not that that's so weird this is we're going to make star wars rogue one based on this idea right and we're going to craft it and then the script will come later and it helps that like it, there's a general consensus as to like what happens in rogue one like a group of rebels steal plans for the death star yeah like that's already known but there's so many ways you could have gone with that like you could have had right. oceans 11 in space 
I would have loved that movie. I too. would have loved that movie. <laughs> that would have been a lot that of fun. That would have been an amazing film <laughs> with the same cast, exact same cast. <laughs> you got the fake Jedi. You got the guy with the machine gun. Yeah. Oh, I like them too. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me of uh, Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Was uh, what's his name? George Miller. Yeah. Uh, he didn't write a script. He, he just did it? a bunch of storyboards, yeah. and then they just shot against storyboards and then turned mm-hmm. it into that into that yeah. movie. But I would also argue that George Miller was a driving creative force. Like, he knew the story he wanted to tell. True. He just wanted to tell it visually first. Right. Yeah, he like, he's a, you know, a, a, a singular yes. creative force, whereas Rogue One is going to be very much it's a, a committee like, effort. Yeah, because it's a star wars and disney property yeah that's the only choice you have probably had like that's why all the marvel movies are the way they are right they probably had like 30 producers on rogue one or something i love overall i love the movie yeah and in hindsight and even a little bit while i was watching it i was bothered by the way the movie like artificially made things happen just so that they could happen yes because they didn't start with a script (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and now that I know that, it's it's very easy to understand how these mm-hmm. problems occurred. Uh, my the best example is like the master switch. Do you remember? Yeah, you remember this kind of concern? Big master switch. So like the the pilot guy who was a great character uh-huh. uh, has to throw a master switch so yep. that he can communicate he can send a thing through the barrier so they can send other things. And like he keeps making a big deal about this master switch just so that he can finally achieve a thing yeah. and then die. Yeah. Like he finally gets the thing connected. Yay. And then he dies. And then dies. Yeah. And, and the Master Switch was used to kill uh, Samurai Jedi guy yeah. and his buddy. It's bad that I don't know any of these characters' names. I remember Jin and Cassian. I don't remember I the don't rest. remember those even. <laughs> I remember Saw. Who's uh, that? It was the guy played at the beginning, Robot Legs. Oh, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Saw something. I don't know his last name. He was cool. I don't remember it because the whole time I thought they were saying Saul. And they were saying Saw. And they were saying Saw because I looked at the credits and it was S-A-W. And I'm like, oh, that's not. Interesting. That's the only name I remember from that movie other than Mon Mothma, Mothma, who was in another Star Wars movie. Right. Yeah. You already know who that is. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars is very weird with names. That's true. Like, they're usually pretty good. And like, Jin being the main character, they always do like very one syllable yeah. but like still Ray, odd names like han, luke, han. Yeah. luke is a normal name but ray yeah. is not leia is well uh, you've got in, in the new one you've got poe finn and ray yeah like yeah. as main characters kylo is two syllables yeah. they're all, all these like just vaguely weird names did you see the internet theory about kylo's last name no uh so i like it's, it's kind of just a neat thing uh-huh um, and I first saw it after Carrie Fisher's death. I don't know if that's intentional or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there was an argument being made that we know. Well, we know Alderaan is a matriarchal society. Okay. That they have queens and princesses, not kings and princes. Right. Um, and that's how power passes down through the mother line, not the father line. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a reference to someone in one of the prequels to general something that was not Organa, mm-hmm. uh, who's never mentioned anywhere else. Um, 
and may have been Leia's father. Okay. You know, Prince Organa eventually he sure. became. Um, and that he changed his name and he took his wife's name when he got married. Because that's what you do in, in this matriarchal society. Okay. And that's how Leia Organa became Leia Organa because that's the family name that gets passed down. Okay. Because you're the princess. That's you know how family is right. passed. And so the argument is that Leia and Han may have named their son Ben and kept his family name, which would have been Organa. Mm-hmm. Instead of Ben Solo, which is what everybody's been referring to him on the internet as. Oh, yeah. Just because our society is used to yeah. the male keeping the name in the family. No, it's it's just fancraft. There's like it's just a theory. There's right. no no proof at all. Maybe it'll come out later, but it's a nice idea that he was we've been calling him the wrong name. Yeah. I mean those of us who've been calling him by his not Sith Lord name. Yeah, that would make sense if he's Ben Organa instead of Ben Solo. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Alderaan seemed like a cool place. Did. Maybe got blowed up. They did get blowed up. Rogue One gave me hope for future Star Wars movies because I like I thought it was mostly on the right track mm-hmm. and it and it was very uh, tonally different from the Star Wars like main trilogies. Yes, right. It was very much just like a war movie, mm-hmm. uh, like a group buddy war movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Dirty Dozen. Is, yeah, yeah, is the sort of idea. Um. But I I love to see like deeper dives into genres and tropes, mm-hmm. like with but just in the Star Wars universe. I want to see Ocean's Eleven in Star Wars. Yeah, right. Like, wouldn't that be so cool? Yeah. Um, maybe that's the young Han Solo movie will be. That'd be great. He was a smuggler. There could yeah. be a heist. I mean, you could make that work. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, like little uh, little like twenty something Han Solo yeah. like on a. On a heist team yeah, he'd, and... he'd get the casey affleck role from oceans 11 <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's sort of like just this kid we brought along yeah. and that, but, like then he make, role. but then he makes away with the goods and steals the millennium yeah, falcon. something like yeah. that um because you know that movie's gonna have him stealing the millennium falcon oh yeah which i sure. really don't want it to have like i want i want han solo before he's han solo uh-huh i don't want to see him become han solo because i know what that looks like right harrison ford i want to see han solo <laughs> 10 years before that right um but i think the uh i think the marvel movies like at least one of the reasons why they suffer is because like they're just all the same genre it's Mm -hmm. all just super very small variations super people fighting a bad person you it's you could argue that like oh civil not civil war uh winter soldier was like a cold war espionage movie or Ant-Man was a heist movie because they have to rob a thing. Yeah. But those are all like minor variations, not right. like full genre shift. Right. I'd love to see like the whole point of like this Star Wars story movie being like shift into this genre. Yeah. And then tell a story there instead yeah. of tell a Star Wars story, but kind of sort of make it like this genre. Yeah. So maybe they'll do that. Maybe. I don't think they're doing it with Marvel movies. Oh, it's too late for that. <laughs> and I don't care. Because I don't care about Marvel, I don't know. but I like Star Guardians Wars. of the Galaxy two looks fun. I mean, but I think I liked Guardians of the Galaxy most out of all the recent Marvel movies. It was just the most different, which is why I liked it the most. Yeah, I don't like. I don't even think it was that great of a movie. It was just weird. It was just unusual and didn't feel the same way every other Marvel movie does. Right. Have you seen the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy two? Yeah, I think it. It's good. Yeah, I think it ran before 
Rogue got One. A little, little tiny Groot pushing a button. Little tiny Groot is very nice. I do like little tiny Groot. Don't push the button. Don't push the button. I am Groot. Yeah. <laughs> no. That was that was good. Yeah. It's a good trailer. I'm all like I'm on board with watching little tiny Groot say I am Groot. Yeah. That stuff. I would watch 90 minutes of that. Yeah. Well, good news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got Vin Diesel back to play Groot as well. Really? Yeah. They should have got like one of Vin Diesel's children. That would have been funny too. Yeah. Did you know Vin Diesel did the dubbing for Groot in every language? No way. Yeah. Or at least like most of them. Does does he know lots of these languages or did he just, he just learn said, his lines in them? Yo soy Groot. <laughs> <laughs> Je suis Groot. Yeah. You don't have to learn a lot of lines. Yeah. You have to say them differently, obviously. Right. Yeah. That's pretty fun. So yeah, I saw a video of him like of saying it in a bunch of different languages. <laughs> they should have just had him like walk into a studio for 30 seconds, say, I am Groot once, <laughs> and then just use that same exact take for every single time. Groot that would have been terrible. <laughs> it would have been very obvious. Yeah. But I think it would have been funny. Yeah. You can make it work. We know what it reminds me of a weird reference you've seen arrested development oh yeah of course do you remember uh job and his puppet mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh, the the black puppet that he yeah. was very racist with yeah yeah there was an episode where judge reinhold guest starred for his show um, <laughs> mock trial mock trial with judge reinhold um and the advertisements for that were in a magazine ad that when you opened it up was a picture of Judge Reinhold and it said, my name is Judge. <laughs> my name is Judge. And then he <laughs> used that in the puppet to say, my name yes. is Judge. Yes. Judge, my name is. <laughs> and like this like very scripted, terrible puppet thing. Oh, man. That's that's what I picture if Vin Diesel does I Am Groot just once and then walks out. Yeah, they just kind of cut it up a little differently every yeah. time. I love Arrested Development. It's got some really weird things. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's such and a bizarre And not all show. of them work. No, certainly not. Uh, like, the third season is famously not as good yeah. as the first two. Uh, but Charlie Theron's character, uh, oh like, man, oh bad choices. Like, see, like uh, surprisingly, like being mentally handicapped. Yeah, was, bad choices. Yeah, like what? Why does that need to no, happen for this to be funny? No. Bad choices. She could have just been a weird person who wore funny clothes and yeah. had a weird backpack. I know. I've told you about like how much I wanted that show to be. I know. Like, because what he had announced was thirteen individual episodes that could be watched in any order, mm-hmm. and like that idea is still brilliant to me. Like, I think it is an amazing idea for a TV show. Yeah, and I feel like if anybody could pull it off, it was Rest of Development, where you have you have call forwards and callbacks. You know, you're setting up a joke three episodes away uh-huh. that isn't funny until you've watched it the second time and you get that it was set up three episodes ago. Right. But the setup works the other way if you watched it in the other yeah, order. Like yeah, like that that sort of thing like you could totally do and they did not. I'm just imagining like the whiteboards and corkboards full of like crazy person charts. To, oh like, yeah, make, you would have to, to, like, to have those. To write that. And it would be amazing. Are you familiar with uh uh there's a great Tumblr called Crazy Walls.tumblr.com? <laughs> no. <laughs> you haven't heard of this? I have not. It's 
uh, it's like screen captures of movies and TV shows and whatnot. With people in their crazy boards. people in their crazy walls. Like the <laughs> famous example is like a, a beautiful mind. Yeah, his his crazy walls of all yeah. his pictures and the yarn connecting the mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. yeah. I want I want to see the crazy walls of the Arrested Development yeah. writers room to make season four happen. That would be pretty cool because it was already like pretty. Oh, it's very intricately designed. Crazy. Like, the thing is, you can see them trying to do that with season four of Arrested Development. It was just, it was just too hard. It was just, they just failed. Yeah. I mean, better to try than to not. I yeah, guess. and that's like that's the way I see it. Yeah. Like they tried something that is like impossible pretty much impossible that no one had ever even really tried Mm -mm. before Mm -mm. and they did a fine job of it and there's some funny stuff yeah cinco de cuatro is pretty fun it's so stupid (laughs) uh, yeah cinco de cuatro is pretty good yeah did you feel like it was the first star wars movie about war i did yeah 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 that like that uh that <laughs> that headline was accurate. It was. I mean, it's easily misunderstood because people are dumb. And a lot of people hadn't seen the movie yet. Yeah. But yeah, like it was a war movie. You know what I thought was actually like a legitimate like great accomplishment that Rogue One did? Sure. They made the Adat walkers seem scary. Ah. That's fair. Like Empire is great and, and like the Hoth, the battle on Hoth is yeah, great. It's perfect. But the Adat walkers a little silly. Seem a little silly. Seem not like very imposing enemies. Yeah. But in Rogue One and the beach battle, they were pretty scary. Like, yeah, they're pretty scary. Like they're big giant things stomping around and yeah. shooting That's lasers. Fair. And, you got skill well. Yeah. Like they they the movie looked really good. What's interesting is that that actually now reminds me of of Monsters, uh, his previous film. Mm-hmm. Um, which had giant scary monsters in the background, like as background elements. Nice. Um, did you ever see it? No, I didn't. It's not great. Don't worry. But <laughs> um, it's it's a. I mean, you almost want to call it a refugee story now, although it was fra- it was presented as an illegal immigrant story at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so a large portion of the continent, coinciding with like Central America, mm-hmm. um, had giant monsters show up. They killed everybody or tried to kill everybody and there was a lot of fog because that makes special effects cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything's spookier. Um, yeah. And it's about this woman paying a guy to help her get across the border into the safe zone, a.k.a. America. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really the story of like the two of them, but it's in the backdrop of like these big, scary, confusing monsters. Yeah. Which is why he got Godzilla like that. Because he did a monster thing. Yeah, he did a monster thing, but it was about the people. Which is what Godzilla was always about. Uh, Godzilla also a, the destroying buildings. Godzilla is about nukes. Yeah, that's true. I saw. I didn't see monsters. I saw Godzilla. Yeah, I didn't see Godzilla. I, well, I don't remember it being that great of a movie, but like Godzilla was pretty cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. Did he blow up buildings with blew his up, with his buildings, fire breath? Got like shot at by planes. Great. Was, that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you need. He was very Godzilla. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? What did you think of uh, CGI Tarkin? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, My dad didn't realize he was CGI. No way. Yeah. See, I've heard a very, like, evenly spread mix of reactions Mm -hmm. on this. I knew it, but I didn't care. Like, that's where I was at. Like, I could tell. Okay. I was like, I think that's a fake guy, but it's good enough. I don't care. See, I didn't, uh, I didn't, like, know that guy was dead. Mm. I mean, like, 
it's easily assumed because he was old in the seventies, pretty old in the seventies. Like he's probably dead. Uh, so when I saw him, I was like, Oh, that guy's probably dead. Oh, that's CGI. And then it looked like kind of bad to me. Okay. Or it looked, you could tell it looked, I could tell yeah. and it was distracting, mm. which is, I didn't find it distracting. bad enough yeah. to be distracting. Um, but I still see it as like an incredible accomplishment. Like it, yeah. it was, it was so the CGI was so good. I just couldn't help but be that's distracted fair. by it. Uh, I thought Leia was great, but it's probably just because she had half, half a second, second of, of her time. face on yeah. screen, whereas like Tarkin had like full on close-ups of his yeah. face with dialogue. Yeah, uh, you know what I found distracting? Darth Vader. Not as it, not as it presence necessarily. I thought that was fine. I thought he was nicely imposing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in the first scene, you can see him. The lighting is such that you can see into his helmet. Really? Like you can see through his eye holes. Like, can you see eyeballs? No, you see sort of like a, a white mass, like that is his head. Huh. Like you can tell his head is in there. Interesting. Uh, and it wasn't like even in the later scenes. Like I think it was just the way one scene was lit. Yeah, made me real mad because oh, you should not that. be able to see into his eye holes. No, that would really ruin the illusion. Yeah. Oh, I think the illusion is also a little bit ruined when you see him in the back to tank first. Well, it would—I mean—it would ruin the illusion for like a person he's trying to scare. In, well, the person he was trying to scare saw him in the back to tank. But that's more like mysterious and yeah, kind of creepy. Yeah. Than like, oh, he's just some dude in the back to tank. Did you see people uh, photoshopping young James? Oh. I keep wanting to say Edward Olmos, and it's not Edward Olmos. <laughs> uh, shoot, what is his name? James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Uh, photoshopping young James Earl Jones as Anakin Skywalker. No. It's great. I mean, it's exactly what you think. It's pictures of young James Earl Jones yeah. photoshopped in for Anakin Skywalker in like, scenes from the prequel. Oh, that would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't have saved him, but that would have been better. Yeah. Um. I mean, you first you have to de-age James Earl Jones to like his twenties, right? But other than that, it's great. <laughs> um, I really the uh, Darth Vader's stupid uh, choking pun really threw me <laughs> off. Like I didn't didn't expect Darth Vader to make corny jokes. I didn't think it was funny, and it I was like, why why would Darth Vader say that? Like it's. It's so it's disarming. It's like, oh, Darth Vader's some guy who will like make a fun joke with you. Yeah, but you have to remember, this is the same guy who said, "I hate sand." No, it's not. <laughs> Those movies aren't canonical. <laughs> I think it's the same guy. Same guy. Um, I guess when you think about it that way, if Darth Vader is the is the like stupid lame dude from the prequels, like, yeah, of course he would make a dumb pun. Yeah, but like, yeah, he would. But like the guy. The terrifying villain from Star Wars and Empire and stuff isn't does not say. What if that the guy pun. you see in in Star Wars and Empire and stuff is that guy, but we only see him from the hero's perspective, where his like persona overshadows his person, and so we just don't hear the lame jokes because whatever he says is scary. So we're just seeing their interpretation yeah. as if they were telling it to somebody else. Keep your media critique to yourself. <laughs> He was always lame on the inside. Um, always. I mean, uh, Force Awakens makes it work. This idea work because Kylo Ren is actively portrayed as being lame. Yeah, like he's 
he you see his facade of scariness mm-hmm. and being imposing and he is but then you you're shown behind the mask that he's just some like teenager with anger problems yeah. who's like a loser yeah and they'd show you that on purpose but i don't think that was their goal with making darth vader make a silly pun about no, choking I'm, I'm gonna read it that way um because like the darth vader that i want to see is the one at, in the like final scene where he's just chewing through the hallway full yeah. of guys that which, was scary which was like genuinely scary like violent and brutal yeah and like that's darth vader yeah the thing is you didn't hear it because the music was swelling he was making dumb puns the whole time <laughs> I want to have see a nice that. trip. I want to see that fan. See edit. you next fall. <laughs> As he like slams a guy against the wall. Doesn't even make sense. Does not like. Yeah. Relevant. <laughs> Hate to see you fall down. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was a pretty good movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was real good. One of uh, someone I was talking to about it. I was very surprised, like hated it yeah like just despised it from start to finish and i think it's because they're a very cynical person Mm -hmm. uh and so they just found it completely like corny and forced and contrived that's weird because i would argue it is a more cynical star wars movie see i i don't see it that way i see it as like a movie full of like I see it as like being a very like sincere and enthusiastic movie that's like just obviously about like have hope in darkness that's and like fair. everything will turn out okay and like we can accomplish our dreams and it's just like super sincere about that. Okay. And so this person viewed it that way but is too cynical to like enjoy that. To be caught up in that. Yeah. And they just go, Oh, this is so lame. So how the world works. Everyone should die and it should suck. Yeah. But why is it uh, why is it cynical? Because everyone dies. But like to achieve their dreams. Do they achieve their dreams? They die. <laughs> they die for a cause that forgets them. Mostly forget. They got a line in the scroll in the in star in the first movie. By name. <laughs> Some mooks got us these plans. Yeah. Yeah, they were mostly forgotten. Like I would I would argue that that's like I would argue that the cost is, or the question is, what is the cost of accomplishing these dreams? Like the real literal, because everybody in that movie dies. Minor characters die all the time. When the two spaceships hit each other, we see people die. Oh, that's like thousands of deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, just, and and it kind of goes, what's the cost? And, and the answer is, well, hope. And I'm like, really? Is that? But that's not cynicism. Cynicism is like, cynicism is like. But I think the movie questions itself on that. Really? Yeah. I think you could read it that way. Huh. Because it, it, so the cynical version of the movie is that they don't get the plans out. Like everyone dies and, and it's hopeless and they don't, and they don't yeah. achieve the goal. Like cynicism is like, Hey, try all you want, but the world's bad and it's always going to be bad and That's there's fair. nothing you can do about it. I don't think you can do that in Star Wars. Well, because right, Star, Wars Star Wars is, is so clearly good and evil. Star Wars doesn't tell those kind of stories. Yeah. It's very black and white. Yeah. It's no Star Trek. Yeah, I hear there's some ethical nuance in Star Trek. There's a lot of ethical nuance in Star Trek. <laughs> More in Deep Space Nine than anywhere else, yeah. but absolutely. But there's also Satan. In Star Trek? Star Trek, the animated series, is an episode where Satan shows up. Like, from the Bible? Yeah. Huh. He's actually an alien from a planet that uses magic instead of science. That's just a different kind of science. 
is magic. It's different. <laughs> Does it only exist on that planet? Yes. And near that planet. And well, I guess the, the aliens could do it because they came to Earth and they became witches in Earth's past. And then they got persecuted in like Salem. And so they left and went back to their home planet. This is a real plot in an episode of Star Trek the Animated Series. I think which is the most gonzo show I have ever seen. Most Star Trek things sound like Star Trek fan fiction. <laughs> like I feel like if you were to describe <laughs> Right? <laughs> Part of this is the bourbon, but. <laughs> like, if you were to describe, I bet most <laughs> plots of Star Trek episodes and had me guess whether or not this was a plot that aired on a television show or if this was something that someone wrote on Tumblr. I'd probably I can guess, see why you would think that. Like, that doesn't sound like a thing that got produced for television. That sounds <laughs> to be like fair, a Tumblr the fan animated fiction. series is basically Tumblr fan fiction. Yeah, and what I'm saying is I, you might just be overlooking the fact that all of the series <laughs> are, are that way to certain degrees. Yeah, but I would, it, counterpoint, isn't that the point of fan fiction? Is it supposed to sound like the thing? The genius is the man who is best himself. Well, yeah, fan fiction is trying very hard to sound like the thing, but it's fan fiction, not pro fiction, because they're not good enough to be pros at it. Now, to be fair, later Star Trek is written by fans of Star Trek. Because it's been around for so long. That's true. You kind of can't help that. Yeah. Doctor I'll, Who has the same problem. I'll take back my last statement. I was very dismissive of a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> I, I, There's I a lot know, of really good fan fiction out there. I know there are a lot of very talented fan fiction yeah. writers. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who has the same fan fiction problem. Does it? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind of stopped watching the show, but there are definitely episodes where you're like, this is written by someone who is a huge fan of Doctor Who. And that's the most important thing is they love Doctor Who. And that's awesome. Yeah. As opposed to like, let's tell interesting stories or do interesting things. Right. Uh, there's, there's definitely elements of that. There is, again, things that sound like fan fiction. Uh, there is an episode it's a two-part episode in the second third season of doctor who of the new season not the old stuff in the 60s yeah um where the world ends the bad guy wins and subjugates the entire planet cool and captures the doctor and shrinks him into a tiny little micro old person Mm -hmm. and his companion martha Travels around the world telling people about the Doctor. Because his name's not actually Doctor Who. It's just the Doctor. And tells them that at midnight on New Year's Eve, or at a certain point in time, we're going to save the world by yelling and thinking in our heads the same word at the same time, which is Doctor. And that is somehow going to magically de-age and shrink the doctor so he can bust out of his cage and save everybody from the master who has subjugated the entire planet for over a year mm. and it works that's the fan fictioniest thing i've ever heard <laughs> actual plot to an actual two-part episode that's incredible <laughs> british tv is so weird and then everybody like just moves on 
Like, we come back to Earth later and everything's fine. Right, like, saves the day. Like, maybe he reverses time. Like, I'm, I'm putting that in there because, like, that seems like the most reasonable solution. Yeah. But it's entirely possible that the world just moved on from being conquered. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the kind of thing that happens in Doctor Who. It's That's not that's a very uh, sitcom thing to do, to, to re- yeah. reset. Yeah. Just like, everything's, oh, everything's better now. Yeah. We're great. Problem solved. Start, o- start over the same way next yeah. time. Uh, the AV Club, when they were re-reviewing all of those episodes, because they did it uh, like... They do like their watch-throughs. Their watch-throughs, yeah. Mm-hmm. They got to those episodes, and they gave it A slash F. <laughs> I've never seen them do that. It's a, it's the rarest grade you will ever see. That's funny. Um, which, which stands for Awfully Fabulous or Absolute Failure. <laughs> because it is... It is so like perfect at being itself but also terrible <laughs> right yeah like su- succeeded at being its own at its thing yeah which is bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> um are you uh do you ever read pitchfork music site no you say i that. don't read music reviews oh you're not that much of a music person yeah pitchfork is like if pitchfork did like best comedy albums of the year i would go listen to read that so i could find some good comedy albums um they are it's a weird site it's very pretentious i've heard that uh and they rank things one to ten with a decimal place (laughs) so like you can get an 8.4 yeah you know very precise yeah and and every single and like they always do that every single album every single thing they review has this very precise ranking i don't know why it's just not out of a hundred because there's a decimal (sighs) uh but I found this uh, this thing. Are you familiar with the uh, rap group Run the Jewels? I've heard the name, but that's it. They're uh, it's it's these two guys. It's really good rap. Okay. Uh, they just released a new album, which I recommend. Uh, but their previous album, uh, had a remix, uh, released for it mm-hmm. called Meow the Jewels. Okay. I'm intrigued, and it is. The vocals from Run the Jewels. From Run the Jewels 2. Okay. Their second album. Gotcha. It's a good name too. And the beats are all recreated completely using sounds from cats. I love it. And it's I called, love it. And it's called Meow the Jewels. I'm I'm sold. And like this is the kind of album I would buy. And like it's uh like it's good. Like, is it the same? Are they the similar beats to the original, or is it more closer to like the Gray album where they reinterpret the song? Similar beats. Okay. So like, they, so it they, sounds like they're, Run the Jewels. Yeah, too. they're recreating sounds. Okay. But instead of using instruments and they're using cat synthesizers, noises. they're using recorded cat noises. Great. Uh, and but the, the crazy thing is like they got like real producers yeah to to do the re- absolutely like, it's, not, it's not just like someone sitting in their basement who made this it's like famous producers who we're write gonna make beats this. for famous hip-hop albums i love it i love it turned cat sounds into into run the jewels too i love now the jewels and so i say this because pitchfork reviewed it yeah and it's the only time i've ever seen them break their stupid uh ranking system six or whatever yeah uh they gave it cat with heart eyes emoji <laughs> as the rank I feel like that's the perfect emoji I, to yeah. rank that album. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never even heard the album. Maybe like a maybe like nine point one. Yeah. What I w- <laughs> no, it's cat with emoji. Cat, cat with eyes, heart eyes emoji. Cat with heart eyes emoji. That's pretty great. Isn't that precious? 
Do you write fan fiction? Used to. For what? Uh, so the only fan fiction I remember writing, like actually putting out into the internet, was a Highlander Tomorrow People crossover fanfic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about those. <laughs> you know Highlander? I'm familiar with its existence. Okay. Well, this, there was the TV show that they spun off from the movie series uh-huh. about a different Highlander also named McLeod. They were cousins or something. Uh-huh. Who also lives forever and cuts off heads of other people who live forever. Nice. To steal their power. Sure. Okay. I, I never, like I watched like half a dozen episodes of the TV show. Like I loved the idea of it. I liked the movie Highlander quite a bit, uh, which was entirely scored by Queen songs. Like sounds, by Queen. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's very 80s sci-fi action fantasy yeah. movie with queen yeah, yeah. uh queen for a movie about people who chop off each other's heads to kill them wrote a song called don't lose your head like that's <laughs> like all of the songs are just like on point they're yeah. all written for the movie like they're not others queen songs oh. they're like the kurgan's theme give me the prize wow uh yeah don't lose your head it's it's an intense soundtrack. It's interesting that the band Queen spent the time to, to just write an original soundtrack yeah. for a movie. Yeah. About Highlander. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the original. Like, it was... Highlander wasn't a thing before that. Yeah. So, Highlander before that, it was just, like, a guy from Scotland. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and so, the Highlander... I loved the movie, and I watched the TV show when I could, but I mm-hmm. didn't have, like... This is pre-DVR, pre-DVD. Like, I just had to find it on and watch it. Yeah. And so didn't know it very well. I was I was hardly a fan of the TV series, uh, but I was a fan of the movie. But the movie is very definitive. Like it ends at really the only place it can, which is there's only one left. Right. Because there can be only one. That's yeah. That's the th- that's a Highlander thing. And they still managed to make four sequels in a TV show. Do they just keep finding others lurking somewhere? Man, I don't even know. Like <laughs> the second one, there's aliens. Mm. There, there's the fourth or fifth one where the two Highlanders from the two different, like the movie and the TV show, like meet and like fight together. What? Not each other though. Like they're on the same side. Weird. They're both McLeods. Okay. It's weird stuff. I liked sword fights. I like the idea of sword fights in the modern day. Like that's what I liked. Sword, about it. sword fighting is pretty fun. Yeah. This is sounding like, uh, like the silliness of the like alien predator crossover yeah. nonsense yeah. yeah um and i loved 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 the show the tomorrow people i don't know what that is uh so the tomorrow tomorrow people has actually been made three different times which mm-hmm. is outrageous because i don't know if it's a good show or not <laughs> uh the first time was in like the 60s or 70s and it was about a bunch of kids who were the next stage of human evolution and they discovered they had magic powers like mind reading and teleportation it's not how evolution works sure it is it's okay it's tv um, and they travel to this alien ship that, like, awakens their powers. They get to and they awaken. Um, and they, like, solve problems and help the world and fight bad things. Cool. Uh, and it got remade, 60s, 70s, got remade in the 90s on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and was, like, serialized. Like, this was a serialized TV show where they were, like, each episode had five parts. And they were 30 minutes long. And, like, it told a complete story over the course of each of those five episodes. And I loved it. Like, hmm. I didn't watch the original. I've never seen a scene of it. 
I loved the 90s remake. Like, whatever it was was just hitting my brain dials perfectly. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this show is so 90s. There was a kid who was good with computers named Megabyte. Oh, my God. That's so beautiful. <laughs> like, that's how 90s this show was. Did he surf the information superhighway? I'm sure he did. And he, of course, had a friend named Kevin, who was one of the Tomorrow People. He could teleport and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love anything with someone named Kevin in it, particularly when I'm a kid, because that's my name. That means it's you. Yeah, and he was British, and Megabyte was American, and that was fun. And there was like a bunch of other people. Um, and Tomorrow People was my introduction to fanfic. Okay. Like, that was my internal, like, entry vector. Uh-huh. And I found people writing Tomorrow People fanfic. Um, it was also my introduction to, like, slash fic. Like, I discovered that through Tomorrow People fanfic. Uh-huh. And was great and then i got into like crossover fanfic and i'm like wait anybody can write this i'm gonna write this <laughs> and so i'm gonna write a thing where the tomorrow people and highlanders exist in the same world because you can because i can i can just make this stuff up and then i wrote like the first two or three chapters of a very novel i had no plans for like i didn't know where i was gonna go I was just making it up as i went uh-huh. and then never wrote it again uh, i did find it it is still on the internet no way. I think, yeah. And I actually read it on an episode of Bad Philosophy, my other podcast. Wow. That's um, great. I felt a little bad because I do have a magical Negro character that shows up. Oh. Oh, that's right. Because it was also, I just remember this, a crossover with the movie Ghost. The Patrick? Yep. Swayze? Yep. One? Yep. Okay. That's weird. <laughs> he was, there was a ghost. Somebody died and he was their ghost mentor. Wow. Yeah. How old were you? 13 to 15. That's amazing. Yeah. Kids are incredible. Yeah. Uh, I So I, a lot of what I've said about fan fiction has been negative. Uh, negative. You're a jerk. Uh, right now, I just want to let you know, Catherine is uh, yelling at you. <laughs> I know this because she was on our fanfic episode of Bad Philosophy. Does she write fan fiction? Or uh, is she I don't know a... if she reads it, but she's definitely a part of, like, she's aware of the universe and, yeah. and has said to me, like, I wish I was in the room sometimes when y'all were talking about this sort of stuff. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. She, uh, fan fiction is an easy joke because a lot of it is bad because anybody can write yeah. it and because the internet makes it immediately available. Yeah. Like, that, all I mean, like, almost everything anyone does is bad. Yeah. That's it's just Sturgeon's law. 90% of everything is crap. Yeah. It just so happens that, like, people publish their fan fiction on mm-hmm. the internet so a lot of you just get all of it someone a friend of my mother once told me this joke and it just made me laugh still makes me laugh um fan fiction's like masturbation <laughs> nothing wrong with doing it but you do it in private and it makes you blind <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it's true fan fiction or <laughs> masturbation <for my> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, uh, Karen told me that joke, Mom. Just letting you know. Yeah, uh, C.O.C. Karen. That's funny. I'm I'm keeping that vague, but uh, my mom knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I but I do think I don't partake in any like fan fiction communities. Uh, in fact, uh, when I find like I I when I get into a thing and mm-hmm. I like will follow some like tumblers about the thing. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, I followed a couple like tumblers about Hannibal when I was rewatching Hannibal sure. uh, last year. You'd say you're a fanable. <clears throat> I, yeah, sure. I am a fanable. Um, 
but like that like the tumblers just turn into like a bunch of fan fiction about mm-hmm. hannibal instead of and how, and how will and hannibal are gonna kiss a little instead of just appreciation of it <laughs> and so i'm like uh this isn't what i want to see and not be not because like it's all about Hannibal and Will getting together. I'm going to kiss just a little, little Just bit. a little bit. A little bit, a little bit Although Hannibal is unique in that it, it it very solidly did make that canon. Oh, yeah. Han- Hannibal and Will love each other. Yeah. Like, n- not not in a friend way. No. Yeah. I haven't finished the series, so if that's a spoiler, I don't care. Oh, really? Yeah. You should finish the series. I really should. <laughs> uh, quite a season finale. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Uh, just a little bit. Can, it's okay. You can tell me. They get so close. <laughs> <laughs> There's some very romantic hugging. Awesome. Uh, which is which immediately which is preceded immediately uh, by some very violent murder. Yeah. Uh, murder hugging. That's what called. <laughs> murder hugging. Um, <laughs> But like I, I don't know. Like I just, I've never been a person who like wants to consume fan fiction. Mm-hmm. I just, I like the story as it is, and yeah. I feel like having alternate versions of it and expansions on it is like confusing to me. Hmm. Same thing with like Tolkien stuff. Like so much of Tolkien fandom on the internet is creating your own stories based on it because there's so much room to, yeah. and so many minor characters that have like half a sentence in mm-hmm. his books that you can like you know write a whole book about yourself. I doubt that. Tolkien would have a sentence about anybody. <laughs> um, but like, so that's a huge, huge thing. And I just never had a desire to do like mm-hmm. to consume that. But I do think it's a really amazing, like kind of beautiful thing that. Yeah. It, I think it's a really awesome expression of fandom. Right. And for people who have like a creative urge, there's an easy starting point. Yeah. Like take this existing thing that, you know, and write your own version of it, mm-hmm. or write your expansion of it. Yeah. Instead of having to like come up with something completely original, mm-hmm. like it's it's just a it's a really like I love I love the creative urge and like and the idea that anybody can just create whatever they want. Like you mentioned that like having that realization. Yeah. Like you wanted to have more things about these things you like. Yeah. And you're like, I can do that. Yeah, I like, can just make this. Like things get created because people just decide to create them. Yeah. So I can just create something that yeah, I want, and which I, is still really cool. Yeah, and I, I like I think that's amazing. I just don't want to consume it. That's fair. Which is a really weird, yeah. Imbalance. I mean, there's definitely some good fanfic out there. There's definitely some weird fanfic out there, and they can yeah. both be fun for the same reason, right? Uh, although you know, Mary Sue comes out of the fanfic community, like that phrase. Oh, does it? Yeah, I didn't know that. So yeah, there was there's there's something known as I'm sorry, Catherine, I'm gonna get this wrong. Uh, there's something called self-insert fanfic, okay. uh, which is Harry Potter, but also I'm a wizard. And so I get to <laughs> hang out with Harry Potter and his friends. Yeah. Now, now you're in the story. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Like that's an awesome thing. It's an, it's a, that's an expression of fandom. Like I love this thing so much. I want to live in it. Right. I want to be a part of it. Cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I just did that on my own in real life. Cause I just hung out in my woods and pretended to be in the Lord of the Rings. There you go. <laughs> self-insert fanfic i just didn't write it down yeah and and that's really cool like that's that's a again like all fanfic it's a cool way to express your fandom yeah uh and there is an extension of that that is what came to be known as the mary sue self-insert which is uh uh 
a Mary Sue is a self-insert fanfic where everything about the self-insert character is better than everybody else. Right. Um, traditionally, like raven black hair and purple eyes and the world's best wizard and the more one of a kind than everybody else. Right. Like super magic, whatever. Just inexplicably great at everything. At everything. No and everybody loves them. And again, comes from a place like self-insert fanfic of like not just wanting to be a part of this, but wanting to be loved by these characters and having the power to make that happen. Yeah. And it gets made fun of in a lot of things. You know, there was uh, a blog I knew the most. It was called Potter Sue's, which was excerpts of Harry Potter fanfics with really obvious Mary Sue-esque characters. Right. Um, and the, the term has kind of been stolen and morphed into be like a woman who's really good at things. It's like right. that's not what that that's not what that means. Yeah, you're you're bad. That's an oversimplification. And as as uh, I've been talking a lot about Catherine, I think about Catherine, I think about fanfic. It goes together. Uh, Catherine points out by the same token, like Batman is a Mary Sue because he's always prepared, he's always ready, he's always got the exact thing he needs in his back pocket. Yeah. to solve the problem. That's why he can beat up Superman. That's mostly because he's a rich white dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's a valid criticism. Like I, I get yeah. it. And, and like, yeah, when you have a Mary Sue, it's like it's bad storytelling because mm-hmm. it's just it's cheap and unrealistic yeah, and yeah. stuff. But always has the perfect thing that everybody needs. But on the other yeah. hand, like if if you are like in in the original meaning of, of the term, like if you're a teenage girl who's reading Harry Potter and you want to write a story about like how you're the best wizard at Hogwarts, yeah. like go for it. Absolutely. Like, you're not trying to write the next Harry Potter book or the next Harry Potter movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you're just you're having fun. You're, ful- you're living in this world. Yeah, yeah. you're f- fulfilling a, just a desire in yourself. Absolutely, for something to exist and like yeah, just write it. Yeah, it doesn't have to like meet any certain kind of standard or criteria. Make the thing you want. Un- like until you like say that you're trying to do that. Yeah. Until you're like, hey, I wrote a spec script for the next Harry Potter movie. <laughs> it you stars I mean? me. It stars me, and I'm the best. Like, yeah. then you just wrote a bad script. I'm sorry, but yeah. yeah, if you're just like having fun, it's fine. Maybe I should try writing some Lord of the Rings fan fiction. Do it. Do it. Jesse. The problem is, is I'm like I'm not. A, I don't know how to write anything. Yeah. You write occasionally. I write occasionally, but I don't know how to do it. That's okay. Nobody knows how to do it when they start. It's true. Just keep writing until until it gets better. Yeah, that's my problem. Do you you seem like a person who enjoys writing? When I get to that's that's a, that's a bad saying. I say when I get to when I make myself do it, I enjoy writing. Um, I have not written in three or four years, and I feel bad about that. Yeah, um, feel like you should be doing it. No, I just I know it's a thing that I like to do, and I don't make the time to do it. Yeah. Like and and that's not even a good excuse because there are lots of writers who work forty hours a week who do it because they need to do it and they have to do it. Right. And I want to get back to that. Uh huh. But the other side of that is I feel like I I feel that urge in other ways, like doing this podcast. Right. Like weirdly, this like this is not writing, but this is this is creating a thing and making it for the world. Uh huh. And I and this scratches some of the same itch that writing plays used to do yeah i yeah i definitely see that um so i i you're idea forming yeah yeah i don't know if i would say like oh i'm wasting it by doing a podcast instead of writing because i i feel like i'm making the thing and i want i'm making the thing that i want to exist right and that's what you should do 
Right. And just right now, that doesn't turn into plays that no one's going to read. <laughs> <laughs> it turns into audio no one listens yeah, to. Yeah, it's better. Um, It's so weird because, like, when I was I, – I mean, I guess this is probably typical, but when I was in school and had to write stuff for school, I despised it. Mm-hmm. I wanted absolutely, absolutely nothing more than to not have to write even just like a two-page essay about whatever. Yeah. Like it's just, it was such a overwhelmingly like stressful and painful experience to like have to sit down at a keyboard and like put words on a sheet. And I... I dictated my papers to my mother while I was still in school. She would write them, type them. I would dictate them. Wow. That's how much I hated doing just that. Wow. And then Um, I was homeschooled for a while and we just didn't write papers. True. (laughs) But like, I like I remember uh, in college, my freshman year, uh we had a a class and like pretty much the entire class was like read this book and then write a 30 page like you know like Mm -hmm. a long piece yeah about it um and i just the idea of doing that was so repulsive to me i waited until the last two days Mm -hmm. and i wrote 30 pages in two days that's hard and it was very bad yeah right and it probably would have been better if i like spent the whole semester and like (laughs) did it in the right order you know what i mean but like it's just oh i couldn't make myself do it but then now like i like i i feel an urge to write things Mm -hmm. but i still i still rarely do it but like there's at least a desire there yeah which is so weird to me um because like there was just there was never a desire Mm -hmm. ever because the only context i ever wrote anything in was school yeah but now, like, I want to, but I was, but I hated it so much that I never learned how to, like, be good at it in school, which is the point of writing stuff in school yeah. is to teach you how to be good at it. Yeah. So I never learned how to actually, like, do it. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I liked it when it wasn't constrained. Like, when I was like, write a story about whatever you want. I'm like, okay, I got this. Right. Uh, but, like, I struggled under the testing conditions because mm-hmm. I was in a public school and we had to be tested on our writing. And not just like write an essay, but like write an essay under a constrained environment. You've got 30 minutes, go. Oh, like in class? Yeah. See, that I was good at. Oh, I was And that, that I didn't mind. Yeah. But it's the like, go, like read this book and go home and write a couple pages about it. Yeah. I'd just be like, what the, f- I, I read the book. What do you want me to write about it? Like it's, <laughs> it's there. Like just ask me a question. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It was, it was bizarre. Yeah. Because we had uh, the toss test. Um, it's it was a statewide standardized test the texas assessment oh, yeah, of yeah. academic skills i think massachusetts has the mcas yeah um and the toss was actually eventually became the tax it was a star and <laughs> as well it's been a lot of things um but it was actually the basis for uh george w bush's no child left behind program Really? Yeah, because it was it was the Texas program writ large across the country. Yeah, and people hated it when it was just in Texas. <laughs> um, but the toss had a writing test that you took in fourth and eighth grade. Every other year was just reading and math. Mm-hmm. And I was always fine at reading and math. I was good at those. I could pass those. But the writing one, you got a score from one to four, and a two and a three, or, or excuse me, a three and a four were passing, and a one and a two were not. And that was it. Wow. Um, I only took it once because I dropped out of school before eighth grade, but I took it in the fourth grade and we spent the entire year like trying to get me up to it. And my teacher learned how to grade the tests, like for the whole class, obviously on the one to four scale. Yeah. And 
the toss writing portion came around and we did it. And the question was like, write a story about something that happened to you at school. Like that was the question. That's Two pages. A, that's the whole prompt. That's the whole prompt. And it's like, uh, yeah, paralysis. Uh, and I wrote something. I think I wrote a made-up story about something that happened to me. That's the key, yeah. Um, but it was like fantastical. It wasn't like a realistic thing that could have happened to me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the full details of it. It was a long time ago. Um, but there was also a multiple-choice question like of writing skills. Like, what, where does the comma go? Or what's wrong with this sentence? Um, and my fourth-grade teacher took me in like the day we got the scores. And she pulled each kid in like... If you wanted to, you'd come in after class and she'd tell you your score. Mm-hmm. And I got my writing to a score and it was a two. Oh. Now, the funny thing is I was good enough at the rest of the multiple choice thing that I still passed. Ah, okay. Like I got a near perfect score and everything else. Because that's just skills. Yeah. Yeah. But man, that one hurt. Oh, a two. Yeah, man. But I liked writing stories for that class. Like, I liked writing things. Hmm. But, and it was all super, like, derivative, like, based on things I'd seen or watched or read. Right. But I liked the idea of writing. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it even back then, but it was in that constrained, like, testing environment that I struggled. That's weird. Yeah. I'm complete opposite. Yeah. Complete and total opposite. Like, I, I, I specifically remember uh, my... AP European history class, mm-hmm. senior year of high school. Um, and they did you take AP European history? Do you remember? I didn't oh, you go to yeah, high school. Go to school. <laughs> <God>. uh, so uh, while you were taking AP classes, I was taking college classes that actually count. Ugh. Okay, rub, <laughs> rub <laughs> it made in. that smug real quick. Rub it in. Uh, so I took AP Euro, and the AP Euro test is, you know, it's like two hours, two and a half hours, yeah. or whatever, and it's like. I think it's like, here's 20 essay prompts and mm-hmm. you have to write like a page on like 10 of them. Ugh. Right. Like yeah. By, by, by hand sitting in a classroom times. Yeah. And Ugh. and so like we practiced that a couple times, but like I'd never had a problem with that. Yeah. And probably because uh, it's AP European history. So you're not telling us, you're not like writing a new story. Yeah. You're, you're telling about what happened. You're writing and, analysis yeah. about a, about a historical thing. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, explain how the Roman empire fell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Write a one page about that. Um, but that like I loved and like I excelled at cause mm-hmm. like you, you, you let me like, you let me think and you just give me a sheet of paper and I'll just scribble away. And yeah. some, and I think having those time constraints and knowing that I couldn't like, I didn't have the time to go back and edit it. Yeah, you just had to go. You just, just go. write it down and go. And it's and it's graded in a way where it understands you you're not gonna like edit it. So yeah. grammatical mistakes and spelling mistakes and stuff are kind of let go. But as long as you clearly express an idea mm-hmm. and the and the idea is sound, you're good. But English class, like like that tell a story about something that happened to you in school, I would just sit there and be like what? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean tell a story One time like, I had to take a dumb test. <laughs> like, there, these are things that happened to me. I can't write them down. They yeah. happened. Like, <laughs> they're in my brain. And it's, yeah. Put them on paper. They're memories, not paper things. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. But like, but nowadays, like I, you know, I like have a website and I want, and I like to write stuff for it, but I, yeah. I never do, well, I rarely do because I, it's, 
I don't know. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. And also like the freedom is like having constraints and having prompts is very helpful. Yeah. Cause it gets right about this. It gets you started. Yeah. And just being like, I have a website. I should write something for it. Oh, what, like, what should I write? Like, what do I care about? What am yeah. I interested in? What's going on in the world? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's it's hard to do that. Yeah. But I I have that like very low burning urge mm-hmm. all the time that I should be creative and specifically be creative through writing. You should write some things. I should write some things. I guess you maybe that's one of my New Year's resolutions is to write more things. There you go. That's a good New Year's resolution. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a New Year's resolution this year. Like I I mean the three I joked about obviously, but like I'm gonna read some books. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a new book reading goal? The same as every year. Fifty two. Are you still doing uh, no straight white dudes? Uh, no, I'm expanding it, but I'm I'm definitely being aware. Like I'm yeah. I'm gonna read books by straight white dudes. Uh, it was more to prove the point that I could for a year yeah. and like explore things, and I did, and I got a lot out of it. Um, but I'm not limiting myself in that way. But I'm definitely like being aware of it. Yeah. Like like. Am I reading much of books by straight right dudes right now? Cause, yeah, because yeah, you could probably easily slip into it. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was and that was kind of the idea of it was like being aware of who I'm reading yeah. and being aware of the people behind the books. And so I did, and that was really helpful. And I I did that for a year, and I still like I got to the end of the year, and I'm like, man, I feel like I really missed out on some voices. Like I I didn't read I read one trans author. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably more than I've ever read. Yeah, um, <laughs> technically two because I there's a there's a trans author I follow on the internet who writes a lot of short fiction on her blog, and so I read it there. Um, but the other one I read one book by it that it was it was personal narratives from a from a group of trans teenagers, mm-hmm. which was fine, but not like interesting. Like it was a very beginner level oh, yeah. book. Like what's gender? <laughs> I mean, that's that sort of stuff. It was a fine book. Had I never read anything by like about trans people before, it was not a bad introduction. Sure, you didn't need an introduction. I didn't need an introduction. Yeah. Um, so it was like, eh, and the and the stories by the teens were like, eh. yeah, a lot yeah. of like it was hard to come out. Yeah, I I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, it's hard to deal with this. Yep, you're you're right. I <laughs> can't deny that at all. Uh, so I wanted to read more there, and so that's something like again, I'm I'm not going to like be militant about it, but I'm going to be aware of that and like try and find some yeah. cool authors. Um, and what I what I really want to do, again, not as a New Year's resolution, but this is a thing I'd like to do, is find authors in the genres I like and the type of books I like that bring something new to the table. Like my favorite book I read last year was still version control that I've told you about at least twice before, mm-hmm. uh, which is written by a, a black guy. Uh-huh. And that like the fact that it was written by a black guy didn't necessarily bring anything to it. Like race was a, is a part of the book, but not like a central theme. Okay. Um, but like, I don't know that I would have found that book if I was not out looking for it. And so like, I want to find more sci-fi that's on the bleeding edge of what we're living in today. Right. And like that's going to come potentially from more marginalized voices that maybe not show up in like walking down the sci-fi aisle in my local library. Like, you know, it's not Kim Stanley Robinson. It's not right. Robert Heinlein. Um, and so like I want to find those books. Yeah. And I know they're out there. Put a little effort into hunting for something so that you can get something more original. Yeah. And not yeah. just reading the next thing that shows up. Um, and so, and so working on that is something I'm really wanting to do. Um, there is a book by a trans author that I want to read probably in the next, within the month, because I, I want to see if I want to nominate it for a Hugo because it came out last year. Mm-hmm. 
um, called All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders, which I've not started reading yet, but has a lot of good um, reviews. And it's it's about a um, these two friends, a guy and a girl, who grew up as friends and then grew up and grew apart as you do mm-hmm. and the boy grew up to be a mad scientist like inventing like time travel and things like robots and things like that cool and the girl grew up to be a witch like using magic nice. and you know living in a hut i don't know if she lives in a hut or not but like <laughs> typical witch things wearing a hat wearing a hat um and like i love that idea of like a world where both like super strange sci-fi tech and also magic exists yeah that's awesome and being sort of like dealing with that ambiguity or those things like that i'm like oh that's a really cool book i want to read that it also happens to be by a trans woman Mm -hmm. nice um so like those sorts of things is is that was the goal of the whole project was finding more interesting things to read like proving to yourself that you can do it yeah and i know that it's out there right like i just have to find it right because the the world isn't surfacing that stuff for you yeah yet. the world generally just surfaces yeah generic but if i want to read a stephen stuff. king book i'll read a stephen king book right yeah right um your uh your reading goals are much more specific than mine are yours read my, my mine is like always be reading a book because mm-hmm. that's not something i've i've done yeah. for a long time um a book that's not lord of the rings yeah well i do i like i do try to read the the tolkien set once mm-hmm. a year it's like i will hobbit to Silmarillion. hobbit to Silmarillion. yeah so i will i will read that but like i can get through those pretty quickly yeah at this point um but even then like i just i normally don't read books so i would like to yeah. read books i'll make that a new year's resolution there you go. read some books write some more read some books there you go um I'm kind of upset because the book, I put a book on hold at the library. Yeah. I did it at a bad time because it was like right before Christmas and uh, then it was like Christmas and then New Year's yeah. and the library's closed a bunch and uh, they lost it. Oh, after after you reserved it? So like uh, it let me put it on hold. Yeah. And then it was like, like you know, it needed to transfer to my local branch. Sure. Yeah. And then the next day I checked the website and they're like, item missing. Oh man! And it's still missing. That's, that means they went to the shelf when it wasn't there, right? And so I went to the library this morning and I picked up another book that I put on hold yeah. to substitute for it. I was like, "What are the chances? Like, the, I have a book on hold that's missing. Like, yeah. do you guys ever find those?" And they were like, "Not really." Yeah. <laughs> and it's the only copy the library system has. Yeah. What's the book? Uh, it's called. It's a. It's a book by a novelist named David James Duncan. Okay. Uh, and it's the title of it is God laughs and plays. Okay. And it's a collection of like shorter stories and essays that he's written oh, cool. about religion and, yeah. and the like American Christianity mm-hmm. and how it's bad. Cool. Uh, but he, he wrote a novel called the brothers K that's like one of my favorite novels yeah. ever. So based on Karamazov. Uh, no, not like based on it's a book. The novel is about a family and a, group of brothers okay uh and one of them reads the brothers karamazov okay in his book i feel like you've told but me about this yeah, yeah. It, it's like yeah i i've never read brothers karamazov but i've read a part of it uh-huh. that i read in preparation for writing my thesis in grad school oh really yeah um i don't know what it was called but there was there's a 
I don't know how if you know Brothers Karamazov or not. I haven't read all. it. I'm like I'm familiar with it. I don't. One of the brothers tells another one of the brothers a story in the play or in the book, mm-hmm. um, and it's the story of Jesus's return to Earth mm-hmm. and how he is met by the head inquisitor of the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> um, I like that. And, and no one expects the Spanish no. Inquisition. Well, and it's and it's mostly like a monologue by the Inquisitor explaining why Jesus doesn't really shouldn't really come back <laughs> to Jesus. And how really the church has moved on. Um that's not really what the church is about anymore. Right, of course. And it really it's probably best if you don't come back. Yeah, like we just we, and, don't, we don't need you. And right so now. we're gonna have to kill you. <laughs> Um, and it's, and that's, it's like a very self-contained part of a much larger work. Right. Um, and that story got made into a play. Um, and so I, I read the play and I read that story as part of my work in like working with, um, monologue because uh-huh. there's, there's one of the plays I wrote is, is two characters on stage that are not talking to each other. Um, one of them is Joan of Arc, who is who is giving her testimony at her trial, mm-hmm. um, and the other person is the narrator. Okay, um, but they never directly interact. Right. It's called Jean and Manchon, because that's their characters' names. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Um. Wh- I one of my like lofty life reading goals mm-hmm. is to like maybe eventually get to like the Russian. Yeah, like the great Russian literature. Yeah, and like read a bunch of Dostoevsky. You should read and uh, the Tolst- Death of Ivan Illich. Who wrote that one? Uh, one of those great Russian guys. Yeah, uh, not Tolstoy. Maybe Dostoevsky. I just like their names. Yeah, honestly, the Death of Ivan Illich is like a hundred pages long. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you want to read a Russian novel but not feel like you've had to read a Russian novel, grab that one. That's a great start. Yeah. Like I, I'd love to read like Karamazov mm-hmm. and all the. Other, I'd like to read Karamazov. You know, that's that's on my long term list. Yeah. Uh, Don Quixote is kind of in the same boat. Like I'd really like to read that at some point, but uh-huh. man, it's a big book. <laughs> it's imposing. Um, one thing I, I'd kind of like to do more of this year is read short fiction. Like that's a thing I want to read more of. Like just short stories, short and stories, stuff like that. and like um, collections of short stories that are yeah. either thematically linked or not. Uh huh. But that's a thing I would like to read more in that realm um, because I think this kind of gets back to writing. Is like I think well. I write what I read. Okay. Um, like I to write uh, plays, I have to be reading a lot of plays. Like I think that's true of a lot of authors. Like hmm. Stephen King's talking about how he writes, he reads constantly and all the time, and it always influences what he's reading. What how he's he, writing. How does how does someone like that have time to read when they're like he's so prolific in his writing? How do you <laughs> read a lot when you're writing? That uh, much? I think in his book on writing, he says you have to. Like that's the only way you can be that I mean, prolific. Like, it makes sense. An engine needs gas. Yeah. Like you need something in your brain yeah so you read books to put something in your brain yeah. so you have something in your brain to write down yeah but, man um, and i think writing short fiction will not necessarily write get back into writing plays but will help getting me into the ability of telling stories and, yeah and getting back into that sort of mindset of how stories are constructed right and you can read a lot of short fiction right so i think that helps you can't read a lot of russian great novels no they're very long yeah probably very slow yeah uh, Dostoevsky is apparently very funny. I'm sure. Um, but you have to get the right translator. So there's a few different translations of like the Brothers Karamazov. Um, and there's one that's a husband and wife duo. Huh. Um, 
that a friend of mine recommended to me because they're like, this is the one that gets his humor. Like the rest of them don't understand why he's funny. Oh, These that's translators so understand why he's funny. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And that's the one I, I'm going to pick up when I read Karamazov. I never considered that. Yeah. Well, uh, there's another... I'm going to I'm gonna screw this up. Dad <laughs> theater major. Chekhov. I got it right. Um, Chekhov is a very famous Russian playwright. Uh-huh. And gloomy. Like, all of his plays are depressing. Nice. It's like, this family slowly falls apart. <laughs> all their stuff gets sold. Nobody's happy. Aw. Um, I had a director professor who was explaining to us, he, he was teaching a class on directing called Chekhov and Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And it was about how to direct Chekhov and Shakespeare. Okay. Um, and he goes, Chekhov is a comedian. His plays are funny. Oh, really? He wrote them to be funny. They're just, it's like black humor. Yeah. Right? Okay. And he says, nobody knows how to direct them like that because they check off. Yeah. But he's like, no, this is funny. It's absurd. It's silly. Huh. And you've got to find the humor in it to play it well. Interesting. Um, and so in another class, I read some Chekhov short fiction because uh, he wrote short stories and things as well as plays. Mm-hmm. And they were funny. And you go, oh. Hmm. This is all funny. Twist. Yeah. And so when you can make Chekhov funny, it works better. Oh, Theater man. tip. That's the, There should just be one language. Like translating stuff is so hard. <laughs> like you can like you That's can valid. like you can translate Dostoevsky and have a valid translation of it that just you know like correctly translates Russian to English. Yeah. But misses the nuance. Completely misses jokes. Yeah. That and I like I hadn't even thought about that if I ever wanted to read a book <laughs> written in another language. Like you have to get you the have to right pick your translator translation. Yeah. But what if like there's only one translation of a book and they didn't do it right? Well, that's the one you get. But that's like the one that Yeah. That's the only one that can be real to you. Yeah. On my Greek class, we read a bunch of different versions of Greek plays. Like and, the same Greek play. Yeah. Like I've I've read the opening scene of Agamemnon forty different times from forty different translators, and they're all a little different. Oh yeah, and they're saying the same thing. Like the opening scene of Agamemnon is a guy sitting on a roof waiting for a beacon to light, uh-huh. like like the beacons in Lord of the Rings. You're familiar with beacons, the, yeah, the yeah. beacons of Gondor. He's sitting waiting for a beacon, uh-huh. and then it lights, and he's like, "Oh, good, I can stop laying on this stupid roof waiting for this beacon to light." <laughs> And like, and that's that's funny, and that, but that's and that's one way of interpreting in that. Yeah. But another way is like, oh, finally my master is coming home, so I can, you know, fulfill my duty or whatever it is. And right. There's, there's forty different translations. Yeah. Of that opening scene. Like even, it's it's weird because no, none of them are correct. None of them are 100 percent correct. Yeah. Because it's a different language and yeah. it's. They're, di- they're different words and they're different ideas and you can never perfectly translate something. Mm-hmm. Um, this is good bourbon, by the way. I'm really enjoying it. Is it? Yeah. I don't know enough about bourbon to know if it's good. I but don't know I'm, if it's good or not. I'm enjoying it. I'll put I, it to you that yeah, way. Yeah, I'm having a great like, time I am, I am really enjoying it. Uh, we're drinking uh, bullet we're bourbon. We're drinking bullet bourbon, which I've had recommended to me before. It wasn't like, it was a relatively cheap yeah, bourbon. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by it. Uh, this is the bullet bourbon frontier whiskey 
It's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. I think there's other varieties. I think there's like the standard variety because yeah. I'm a very standard variety kind of guy. You are. Uh, yeah, it's good. Good bourbon. I'm enjoying it. Um, I think about so I think about this a lot with um, the idea of translating stuff with the Bible. Sure. Because this is a like area of controversy. Absolutely. Like well, my sister is, like learned ancient Greek. Did she? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she's perfect at it, but yeah. she's way better than I am. But like she, she took Greek and Latin so she can read the original texts or at least the extant original texts that we yeah. have. Yeah. But like it's, you know, Christians love to argue about like which mm-hmm. translation of the Bible is best. And there's, yeah. you know, different, there's so many different sources and different philosophies about how to translate mm-hmm. it and like you know what your goals are in translating has wildly different oh, like, yeah. effects on the outcome and it's it's amazing and even if you just try to be like a completely literal like just translate it dry mm-hmm. like that's that also is like that, that's a very important choice like, right that's, like that has impact there, there's no such thing as an impartial translation translation of something and it yeah can i blow your mind one more step yes please uh, there's no such thing as an impartial reading of a text, even in a language you already know. Because that's a kind of translation yep. on its own, yeah. Welcome to postmodernism. God damn it. <laughs> the author is dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish... I, I so, wa- one language would not solve this problem. <laughs> I mean, it would make the problem smaller. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I wish there was a... What if there was a way to just like perfectly communicate an idea? It's a fantastic idea. I read a short story about it once. It sounds like a science fiction premise. It was. Yeah. It's written by Cory Doctorow. Of course it was. Story. But like, like I have an idea, like a nebulous idea and feeling in my brain, mm-hmm. and I want you to experience that same exact nebulous yeah. idea and feeling. Imagine if we could skip the whole like, come up with a story that expresses <laughs> it and put it into words on a paper that yeah. you then read with your eyeballs into your brain like just teleport it into your brain that's the exact feeling yeah that's uh the or one would say that's that's there are aspects of that in the singularity fiction oh really yeah um if you ever want to read an interesting interpretation of that i would say in a singularity fiction is something called post singular mm-hmm. by an author that might be Rudy Rucker, but it might be someone entirely different. <laughs> I might be mixing uh, sure. authors there, but it's a it's a post singularity fiction that kind of deals with that. Are you familiar with singularity fiction or the idea of a singularity? I'm familiar with the singularity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so post singularity fiction is a genre of sci-fi that exists in a post singularity world, world after the singularity. Yeah. Although he interprets the singularity very differently, it's not uploading your brain. To computers. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, there is a network of nanites spread across the planet that give everyone basically perfect knowledge. Okay. So you can know what's happening everywhere at all times, and it eliminates privacy. Gross. Yeah. And it's not that you necessarily do know everything that's happening at one time. You can focus and turn and, and yeah. watch everything. And certain people are famous because everybody just watches what they do all the time. Like they're like reality TV stars, but more. Yeah. And so like they like get sponsorship deals <laughs> and like they eat this kind of cereal and it becomes more popular and things like that. That's interesting. Um, it's also 
almost a post-scarcity world because with this near-perfect knowledge, it becomes much easier to move things around and get things where they need to be. Supply chains are going to be pretty Supply good. Supply chains are really good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really fascinating novel. There's some other things going on there, but one of the things is is one of the characters is a novelist mm-hmm. and she writes thoughts, not books. So she crafts experiences that other people can experience as if they were really happening. And that becomes a new art form. Because you can just like access them yeah. through this network. Yeah, of... this mind net or whatever it's called. Huh. And so she crafts a mental experience rather than like writing, writing words books. on a piece of yeah. paper that you then read. Yeah. Yeah. I want that to exist. Cool. Without the like there's some universal knowledge too, yeah. and yeah. lack of privacy nonsense. Everybody gets used to it. Yeah. Every- Listen, anybody can get used to anything. Thank you.